0: So one benefit of community right away is that if you talk a long time, the preacher doesn't get to preach, right? <laughs> You're doing the preaching right there? Um, okay, so a couple benefits of community. I'm going to give you a chance to just kind of share some that you came up with if you want to. Anybody want to? I know. What church do you get to do this in? Y'all, I don't, I've never even asked if you like this, but I love this kind of stuff. Um, just love hearing from you guys. What do you What do you think? Some benefits of community. Okay, good. Protection. Protection. Accountability. Iron sharpening iron. iron sharpening iron. Dispelling loneliness. We got that one. Sharing we didn't use the word dispelling though, because <laughs> y'all are smarter than us love it. Sharing. You understand each other better. Security, more resources, bigger bigger bubbles. What? Family. Oh, hold on one second. I'm coming to you. Yes. Yeah, more insight. Like wisdom in the counsel of many. And I love that because I need as many smart people around me as possible. I'm just thinking you didn't say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yep. Encouragement. Awesome. They feed me? Like real food, right? Mm Mm-hmm so what we're learning is we want to be we want to be um intentional about who we have community with maybe make sure there's a couple good chefs or cooks in that community what else any other benefits i mean i'm sure there's others any others that you want to share all right so we are in acts 21 um we talked about this last week last week um we ended chapter 20. I told you that Paul. We've we've been in Acts for now. I think this is the 30th week. Wow. Um, just taking our time. We, we didn't in, we didn't start off and I didn't because you wouldn't still be here. If I'd have gotten up and said, so today we're starting a 40 week series. You'd have been like, see you in a year, baby, <laughs> right? So we didn't call it a series. We just said we're going to look at the book of Acts. We're going to take our time. We're going to kind of journey through it, and we're going to see. Um, what we can learn regarding acts and so it's called reActs. and so we've just kind of said from the beginning we're a church of about 120 we're in a small town they were a church of about 120 they're in a small town and what did they do and if and then what could what did God do because they did it and if we do the same things and trust God the way they did maybe he'll do the same things for us right okay so yay for all these weeks now we've been in acts and last week, we, we saw, like, the, the beginning of the end. So we've, it's taken us forever to get to Acts 20 or 21, the last few chapters. And I told you that the next couple of weeks are going to fly by, right? Because there's a lot, a lot of repetition. Um, he's going to go on trial, and then he's going to have to, there's an appeal, and then he'll be a, appealed again, and he's going to talk to a bunch of different kings and judges and people in authority, and it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. So last week he called together the elders from Ephesus and we got our elders together and you guys prayed for them just like the church prayed for those elders and then he leaves and I said last week was kind of the beginning of Paul's farewell tour right what I'm not leaving no no I'm not um at least not willingly It's, you never know, There's a, y'all are a big mob, so you could de- you could decide to make me leave, I don't know. Um, but today, we're in Acts 21, and so we're going to pick it up here. Uh, just want you to know, when you when we first start reading it, you're going to notice right away that Paul gets on a ship. So I thought maybe it's important before we even get into the points that we talk about why he's on the ship. It's important to understand why Paul is on the ship. He's not on a cruise. Um, anybody ever been on a cruise? Raise your hand, be proud. Cruises are fun, right? You eat a lot. And that's pretty much what you do. You eat and float. He's not on a cruise. He's not eating green eggs and ham on a boat. He is doing one thing. And it's the one thing that Paul has always done. He is following Jesus. Okay? So you just got to get that in your head. This is all we've ever known about Paul. He follows Jesus, and he follows Jesus closely. So that's the first part of the big idea. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now, and then we'll explain it. And what we do here at the gathering, if you're new here, uh, the big idea... I just give this to you every week because if you're like me, you won't remember half of what I say. But if you can just remember this one thing, you got it, right? And how many of you are like, yes, that's me. I don't remember half of what you say. So I just gave you permission to say, I don't even know what you say. But here's the big idea today. Following Jesus closely leads to feeling community deeply. Following Jesus closely leads to feeling community community deeply it sounds like a great big idea and it is it's one of my better ones i'm sure of it um but it actually what we'll find out as we read is that it sounds better than it actually feels okay so all those benefits that we talked about from community lock them in your brain right now and hold on to them because that's the good news okay because we're going to start talking about some stuff and in here at some point we're going to be like I don't, know if I, I don't know if i really want that but just remember all the benefits we just talked about. So here we go. Number one, your first point. Like Paul, we must follow Jesus closely. This is all that Paul has ever done. From the first moment that Jesus chased Paul down and knocked him on his butt on a dirt road going to Damascus. And he got up and had scales on his eyes. Remember this story? We, we studied this in our journey through Acts. And he went and a man named Ananias God said, I need you to go and pray for Saul. And Ananias was like, no way, because he's the the worst man that anybody knows in this day, in this age. I'm not going. And then finally he said, yes, I'll, I'll I'll go. And he goes, he prays for Saul. And it says something like scales dropped off, which would be an awesome effect in a movie, but something like scales dropped off his eyes and he could see. And from that day until now, all Paul has ever done is follow Jesus closely. We could just stop now, couldn't we? And repent. Because I don't know if I can even say that. Should, wait, that came out wrong. Like I'm the Pope or something. I'm just saying, I don't know as a person if I can even say from the minute, the minute that Jesus saved me until now, all I've ever done is follow Jesus closely. Because I think sometimes I'm a little bit more like Peter where it says that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. I don't know how you are. I'm just saying how I am. Sometimes I feel like I'm more at a distance. Yeah, I'm generally following Jesus, but I'm not following him closely. All Paul has ever done is follow Jesus closely. And why would he do that? Because Jesus is all that Paul's got. I mean, Paul is the man who has taken all of his chips and has pushed him to the middle of the table, and he has said to God, I'm all in. Just a couple verses. Acts 20 24 we read this last week here's a man who's all in paul paul said this acts 20 24 if you got your bible or your smartphone or whatever we got it up on the screen for you as well he said however i consider my life worth nothing to me if only i may finish the the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of god's grace so he said i got nothing all i have is jesus in philippians 121 you, you may have heard this verse, Paul wrote this. These are all things that Paul wrote, okay? I just want you to get this, how Paul's following Jesus. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So can we just paraphrase that? Paul said, my life is Jesus. Like, if you could pick one word, if you said, Paul, look, you've written a lot of words, you've written two-thirds of the New Testament, if you could just pick one word to define your life, to describe your life, what would that word be? Jesus. If you could pick one word to define your life, if I picked one word, what would that word be? It's the summertime. It would be sweat for me right now. I feel like that's... How's your life, Paul? Hot. All the time. Can't wait for Paul. fall. I, I want to say Jesus. And then let's take it one step further. If, if I asked Wendy to pick one word to describe my life, what would it be? She'd be like, does butt ugly have a hyphen, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She wouldn't say that. <laughs> she would not say that because she knows there's no hyphen. She already knows that. <laughs> I'm a little confused right now because I think I just totally ripped myself apart, but then you threw a pin at me. I, I don't know how that worked. Anyway. Paul, one word, that word was Jesus. Um, here, here's why. If I'm, if I'm in a strange city like, let's say, Delhi, India, where I'll be in October, and I'm driving and I'm following somebody from point A to point B, um, it would be hard. But how, how do you think I would follow them? Closely. Closely. Right. Have you ever followed somebody on the, in your, on the interstate and they're in the far left lane, and then they suddenly realize that you're supposed to get off at the exit right there, and so without warning, they (laughs) and you're following them, and let's just say you're in L.A., and it's like, I either go with them or I'm gonna get shot, right? What do you do? You go. You probably don't even check. You just go, and then you hear all the screeching tires, and you're just like, but I got off, I'm fine, (laughs) right? I mean, because you're going to, man, there's no way you're losing the person that you're following because they're your only shot. This is why Paul followed closely with Jesus because he was all he had. Is it any surprise that we find these words in Galatians 5, 25? Paul said, if we live by the spirit, meaning if Jesus is all we've got, then what's his advice? then let us keep in step with the spirit. His very life depended on following Jesus closely. My guess is he was a little bit motivated. So the obvious question for us today before we move on to point two is this, are we following Jesus closely? Do you live with um, the phrase your ear to the ground to hear what he has to say? Jesus said, blessed are those who have an ear to hear. See, You don't have to be a christian to get that you just have to be a parent because your kids ears aren't blessed are they you're like dude you got two of them are you seriously not hearing what i'm saying it reminds me of um of a a friend of mine who went on a mission trip with me to detroit and i mean look at me i mean i'm do i belong in detroit no right so we're in Detroit, and we are doing inner-city work. <laughs> God has got such a sense of humor. Two white boys from North Carolina in Detroit, inner-city, doing three. We had the task of running a three-on-three basketball tournament. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. So we're out, and we are, it's sweltering hot, and we're refereeing three-on-three basketball tournaments. So if you play three-on-three in the inner-city, you already know what I'm going to tell you. But what I learned is you don't referee that; you just throw them the ball and go right. You don't do stuff like foul. But I learned quickly not to call fouls, and I just like you know, hey, put the gun away, just dribble. <laughs> but my friend, he was like all about the rules, and so he's like calling charges and blocks and reaching fouls, and these like the six people playing are looking at him like, dude, you're white, man. What are you doing here? This is Detroit, this is, our, this is our turf, man. Just give us the ball. And so after eight hours of this in the sun, we'd had enough, right? And he's he is tapped out. We get on the bus to take the kids back kind of where they go to their homes. And he told some girl <laughs> to sit down. And she did not. She would not be quiet. She kept on talking. She was sitting. She kept on talking. And he walked over to her. And he just kind of looked at her and said, I said, stop talking be quiet and then she stood up and he went i said (laughs) and she was a big girl and he said this to her i couldn't believe it do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth (laughs) like dude you're gonna get a shot seriously sit down (laughs) be quiet be frustrating isn't it to give instruction to give direction and no one ever gets it they don't understand it they just keep doing whatever they want to do. It is like parenting. I said, make your bed. You said, what? Make your bed. Take out the trash. Brush your teeth. Like, you shouldn't have to tell people to brush their teeth, right? They should learn that from life experience. When you have to say it. And then when you've said it five or six or seven hundred times, and their response is, I never heard you say that. Oh. Do you love Jesus? Yes, because you're going to meet him now right we have ears to hear do you live that way do you have an ear to the ground to hear what Jesus is saying so you can follow him are you keeping in step with Jesus the Greek word there is a word I cannot pronounce but here's what it means to proceed in a row as the marching of a soldier. So I thought of follow the leader, right? Everybody's played that game. Here, just, just get this, okay? To follow Jesus closely means that we're going to keep in step. So we're playing follow the leader. He steps, and we step. Have you, have you played follow the leader? I wasn't sure just then, actually. So he puts his arm out, and we put our arm out. Okay. So if you've played follow the leader, and you really play it the way you're supposed to, you don't do this you don't look around the person right in front of you to see what that person's doing because they're leading up there, and they do it, and the next person does it, the next person does it, and it's in a row, right? Or a column, or whatever. And so, straight line. so you wait for the person right in front of you to do something, then you do that, and then the person behind you does that. This is how you play it, right? Y'all have never played this game? Seriously? You don't <laughs> wow, I'm, I may be leaving, that's all I can say. So what happens when you play follow the leader? You have to trust, right? You have to trust that the person in front of you is not making something up on a whim, which would be a lot of fun, actually. Just do something random, you know, half the line is doing the wrong thing. But you're, you're trusting because you can't really see the first person. You're trusting the person in front of you. That's how we're supposed to follow. And we, we do, I mean, I'm, I'll just say for me, we whine a lot about not knowing. But when you read the Bible, there's a lot of not knowing in here. Have you noticed that? Francis Chan, maybe you've heard of him. He was the pastor of a megachurch. He resigned because he realized that people would not come to Jesus's church if he if Jesus had a church in the same city. He told his wife, laying in bed one night, "I realized that if Jesus had a church a mile down the road, people would pass his church to come to mine." I think maybe we're doing something wrong. He resigned, and he didn't know what was next. And like, why are you resigning? You go to another church? I don't know. So he goes to another country, and he hangs out in another country, and just kind of doing mission work. He comes back, and he said to his wife, I, I, I think we're supposed to go there. And he said, but I don't have a better answer than that. I, I don't have any plan. And here's what she said. She said, Francis, the more I read the Gospels, the less I see a plan. Maybe we're just supposed to follow wow i mean all you type A, 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 a people freaking out right now because you're like i want to plan but there's an element of trust in following jesus that we will not know the outcome we'll know the outcome we don't know how it's going to how we get there we just know we're supposed to take the next step the next step the next step are you keeping in step with the spirit like paul we must follow jesus closely here's the second p- point like paul we must follow jesus closely in community. I don't want you to miss this. This is very obvious, but I don't want you to miss it. As Paul, as Paul, as Paul, as Paul followed Jesus closely, he developed close relationships with other people who were doing what? Also following Jesus closely. It just happens. We follow Jesus, and then we naturally end up near people who were following Jesus. The result is what the bible calls community and there's a word and when we read acts there's a word that you see a lot it's we we went we saw we did we got on a ship we wept and said goodbye we prayed together community all the way through as we read through just the first 16 verses of acts 21 you're going to notice. Um, how many times Luke he goes into great detail just kind of sharing the itinerary of the ship's travels because they get on a ship and they stop at all these different ports and the amazing thing is that every place they stopped Paul found disciples because of community they had followed Jesus closely together in community so what's the big point here Paul didn't follow Jesus on an island the Christian faith is not a big game of survivor where we hope to prove that we love Jesus more than anyone else by outlasting and outwitting one another. But we do live it like that, don't we? I mean, if not individually, we do it as churches, right? Well, our church is better than your church. We will outlast you. Well, I'm going to make sure that when I die and I stand before Jesus, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And by the way, you were the best. But if we live community right, all of us will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. My youth pastor had this amazing gift of making everybody feel like they were the only one. I love that. You would walk out and go, man, he, he likes me the best. And they'd go, no, he likes me the best. No, he likes me the best. I mean, he, he's, he just had this, he just loved us all. That's kind of how it is, right? We're not supposed to be the best. It's not, my goal is not to be a better Christian than you. My goal is for both of us to glorify Jesus with everything that we have and to encourage Eugene, and he encourages me. That's the iron sharpening iron that we talked about earlier, benefit of community. We live Christianity like it's a big game of Survivor. We're not supposed to outlast one another. The faith, Christian faith is lived in a community where people are trying to outserve one another. I love what Romans 12.10 says. Now, we'll read it in NIV, and then I'll tell you what the ESV says. Romans 12.10. Everybody say, the video's coming. I just wanted to make sure you knew that there was a video coming so you wouldn't fall asleep. It's going to be a great one. All right, Romans 12.10 says this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. In the ESV, English Standard Version, it says this. Outdo one another and showing honor it's to outdo each other it's crazy man you showed me honor but i'm gonna show you more honor no, no 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 i'm gonna show you more honor oh no no i'm gonna show you more honor. I'm gonna show more honor. back and forth it's like there's a lot of honor in that place right we're supposed to outdo one another this is what happens in the context of community 54 times in the bible we find commands about how we're supposed to treat one another the people that think that they can follow Jesus closely without that leading to community with the body of Christ are sadly mistaken and grossly disobedient to those 54 commands. There is nowhere else you can live those out but in community. It was really big a while back to say, I love Jesus, but I hate church. Um, <laughs> okay, and I was one of them. So I'm publicly repenting for saying that because I suddenly realized that would be a lot like you saying, Pastor Paul, we love you. We just want to hang out with you. Not so nuts about your family. Okay, You're not hanging out with me. You tell me that you love me but you don't like my family and then you think we're going to be close? You're crazy. I'll go find other friends that like me and my family. And so, I love you, Jesus. Love you. Now, your your family, not so much. It's not possible to love Jesus and not love his church. It is possible to love Jesus and wish we did church better, right? But the only way to do church better is to be a better church because church isn't something you do. It's what you are. You, look at the person next to you. That's the Pope. All you husbands, right now, here's what you're saying. I told you that I'm infallible. (laughs) I told you anything I said goes, ha, I'm the Pope, right? I mean, but we are, you're the church. So if we're doing church poorly, it's your fault and mine because we're the church. You don't do it, you are it. Hmm. Tweet that. I don't know if that makes any sense. You don't do it, you are it. (laughs) Weird. All right. Let me ask you the obvious question. Are you living in community with others who are following Jesus closely? Here's some ways to know. Are you encouraging others and being encouraged by others? Or is Sunday the only day that Jesus comes up in conversations with other people? And I've I've been there, like I and I'm not even we're not talking about do you love Jesus I mean I loved Jesus but the only time I talked about him was on Sunday. With people at church, not even at home, with my parents or my sisters, just just at church. But if that's the only time His name's coming off our tongue, we are not living in biblical community. Biblical community is you're on the phone with people that you that you're getting to know probably that come to the church that you come to and you start talking about jesus you start encouraging one another have you ever had a conversation like that you hang the phone up and go man that was awesome that was so encouraging i just called to say hey you got a good recipe and i hung up with a promise from scripture about the situation i was going through how'd that happen biblical community you follow jesus closely together in community Um, are you sharing with others what you're reading the Bible which means are you reading the Bible have you been a consistent contributing member of a community group here at the gathering or are you simply a Sunday morning consumer like Paul we must follow Jesus closely in community that's good news and that's the bad news all at the same time and I knew we'd get to this part and here's the part where you'd be like "Eh, I don't know point three Like Paul, we will pay a price to follow Jesus closely in community. Um, Our big idea, let me just say it again, is following Jesus closely leads to feeling community deeply. I've got to be honest and say, sometimes it doesn't feel good to feel community. Does that make sense? And that's what we see here in Acts 21. I know it's taking forever to get to the actual reading, but we're here now. We love the idea of community. We struggle with the practice of community. For starters, it does not happen automatically. We wish that it, it did. Don't you wish like you could walk into the, the coffee shop and you just kind of go, wow, instantly I'm connected. Instantly I've got like 10 best friends and every time we talk it's Jesus and it's fantastic and we're so close and we go to the movies together and it's always movies that we like together. Like I'm not the odd person at the chick foot going, ugh. But we pick movies that I like. And we just we go to restaurants that I like and we eat food that I like and everybody gets my jokes and it's fantastic. See what we do, and this is what's terrible about the age that we live in. The age that we live in, you can go home today and you can Google really great churches and you'll find videos of really good sermons or great messages, or you'll see we'll see things that other people have done that are fantastic. But we we see what we see on the internet. Is we see the polished end result, and we go, "I love that." Well, duh, who doesn't? But there was a price to get there, and the price was community. So we love the idea of community. Oh man, I love that. I love how that team—they're just so connected. They're so together. But there was a price that they paid to get connected, to get together. And if it's football, the price was training camp. Ask any NFL football player, do you like training camp? And what will they say? We've got to work on crowd participation a little bit better. (laughs) What will they say? No. No. But ask them after they've won the Super Bowl and they've got a ring on if they like the the result of it. And they will say? And you'll say, so next year you can't wait to go back to training camp, right? And they'll say? See, this is the way it works. We like the idea of it. We don't like the practice of it. It doesn't make us weird. It just makes us like alive. This is what human, we don't like this stuff. So here's what we read last last week about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20 verse 31. He said this, so remember that for three years, everybody say three. three. Three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Sounds like a great job. That's 365 times Three, which is more math than I can do, because I went to Albemarle, which is a great school. I'm just I'm old now. It's well over a thousand nights and days of just warning with tears. Okay, so Paul, that's work, right? Right? Okay, that's work. There's nothing fun in Acts chapter 20 verse 31. For three years, night and day, I warned you with tears that's the price of community acts 2 42 through 47 just jot that down it lists a great a ton of benefits of community this is one it says like the other church they fellowship together they broke bread together they listened to the word together but you know how it starts three words they devoted themselves and here's what the word for devoted means to be steadfastly attentive to give unremitting care remitting that's a big word it means they didn't stop to continue all the time in a place that's one place not a six church rotation to be in constant readiness for someone to wait on them constantly I'm going to read it again because that blows my mind the word for devoted means to be steadfastly attentive to give unremitting care to continue all the time in a place to be in constant readiness for someone. To wait on them constantly. And it costs something to build community. So we read Acts chapter 2 and we go, I want to go to a church like that. Are you willing to devote yourself to a place to make it a church like that? Because it starts with they devoted themselves. No matter what, I'm waiting constantly on you in a place. It costs something to build community. Very few people are willing to pay it, but here are the benefits besides the one that we listed, listed, listed earlier. Deep relationships that can only come from deep commitment to follow Jesus closely together, and here are some of the stops that he made. Acts chapter 21, let's start in verse 1. Everybody say the video's coming? The video's coming. You're gonna love it. Acts chapter 21 verse 1, here's how Paul describes the, the um, The meetings that he had with people that he cared about these are people that are in community okay he's been with these people so the the men in in ephesus that he spent three years warning for night and day night and day with tears three years these elders here's how he said goodbye to them verse 21 after we had torn ourselves away from them that just sounds like have you ever um have you ever passed your child off to somebody else and the child didn't want to go okay i need to come up with a better illustration Have you ever tried to put a cat down that didn't want to (laughs) go? Still got the claw marks to prove it? Yeah. I mean, when a cat, wait a second. What does this say about our church that we relate to cats better than babies? I don't know. But anyway, when a cat does not want to let go, does it? No. So when I read this, after we had torn ourselves away from, look, you don't tear yourself away from people that you don't like. I don't think right people that you don't like you're just like i got a gun leave there's no tearing away you're pushing away right (laughs) like i'm getting, i'm getting rid of you but the people that you love have you ever said goodbye to somebody and you did not want to say goodbye and so you know if it's somebody that you really love the whole like the whole day everything's the last right this is last breakfast we'll have together the last lunch and every time you start to talk you just feel the lump just start to build right here and then finally the moment comes right and you have to say goodbye and you're just trying not to cry and then you you have to say i gotta get i gotta leave i gotta you're going to the ticket counter and you're going onto the plane but you're turning around and looking and you stand there in the airport and watch the plane take off as if they can see you but they can't you are waving through a big metal container and hoping it doesn't fall down. That's tearing yourself away. Man, I'm telling you something. That's the benefit of community. They had to tear themselves away. Acts 21 verses 4 through 6. So he's, he gets on the ship. They start going around. There and they stopped at all kinds of places. Um, just Let me just briefly mention this. The places that he stopped. And he found disciples. Do you know why that is? Because he planted churches there. I mean, they, they was, he was strategic about it like port cities and places that were crossroads for the culture that's where they would plant churches so every time he'd stop he stopped at places where the ships were going to stop anyway and then he'd just hop off the boat walk around go grab a bite to eat meet some disciples and so in verse four it says they're in um, a place called Tyree finding the disciples there we stayed with them seven days through the spirit they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples, all the wives, all the children accompanied us out of the city. This is Rocky running through the streets of Philadelphia. They're all with them. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. It's this big moment on the beach. (laughs) Moments on the beach are fun. Like I took a youth group to the beach one time and we had communion on the beach and it was cold and blistery and we were like all huddled together trying to have communion. And then we noticed that as I was holding the bread, a bunch of seagulls had, a, had <laughs> gathered above us. <clears throat> we had community, they had community. It was awesome. And so being the quick thinking youth pastor I was, I took a big chunk of the bread and gave it to one of my youth workers and I said, Run! <laughs> And so he did. He, like, ran, like, 50 yards down the beach, and we just watched that big flock go over there with him. And then we had communion and <laughs> got done. Because, you know, when you're having communion, you don't want, like, mayonnaise and stuff on the bread. Ugh. Anyway. <clears throat> sorry. So it's just when my mind works. I'm really sorry. So Acts 21, they're on the beach. They're, they're kneeling to pray, and they're saying goodbye. So these are in just a space of, like, four verses, five verses. This is another tearful goodbye. Listen, again, this only happens when you build community, okay? And then they leave there in Acts chapter 21, um, verse, verses 8 to 14. They continued on to um, Caesarea. They stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, verse 8, one of the seven. and verse 9, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. I don't know if that's why they were unmarried. I have no clue. Maybe they didn't say good things. Let me just make this... One, this is not a place to do a whole teaching on women in ministry, but let me at least say this. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So, are there different roles for men and women in the church? 100% absolutely. But you know what was awesome about the church in that day? Women in that day were not valued at all, they were property. But here are four unmarried daughters who prophesied, who were active in ministry, that women are valuable in ministry. Now, you'll, you can go home and just Google women in ministry, and you'll find like a bazillion articles. And there, half of them will be like, they should never be in ministry, and half will be they should. But I know this. There is value for all in the body of Christ. And that proves it right there. So he, four unmarried daughters. And then a man named Agabus, which is an awesome name. How many of you wish you were named Agabus. Is anybody named Agabus, <laughs> and then willing to admit it? <laughs> well, my middle initial's A. <laughs> A prophet named Agabus comes down from Judea. He takes Paul's belt, which is weird. I mean, you start taking, you start jerking somebody's belt. There's no telling what's going to happen, right? Especially in Walmart. Just try it. It's it'll be fun for you. I won't be there. But he takes his belt. He puts it around his own hands and feet, and then he prophesied that the owner of this belt will be bound and handed over to the Gentiles. And so what does it say in verse 12? When we heard this, and this includes Luke, so this is like all of Paul's posse, not just the four unmarried daughters, not just Philip, his whole posse, when we heard this, we pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Why? Because he's following Jesus closely. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. This is the sticking part of community. Is that we want it, we try it, and then it doesn't happen as quickly or as easily as we'd hoped. And so we back off. Because there's a price to pay for community. Now, I've got a video. <laughs> perfectly illustrates our relationship with biblical community we love it we hate it we love it we hate it here we go community i love it i hate it i love it i hate it i love it i hate it there's something about community that draws us back and yet it's hard let me ask you a question Would would the people in this family this family the gathering would the people in this family react to your departure or my departure the same way the people in the three cities reacted to Paul's? That's a question, right? That is a, that is a real test of biblical community. Like, we, <laughs> we don't see that a lot, do we? As you're walking out the door and you're like, I'm never coming back because I'm moving or whatever. You're Like, you're shaking us <laughs> off your leg, right? I got to get out of here. I'm tearing myself away. But that's kind of how it's supposed to be. And if it's not like that, it's because we've not paid the price to build biblical community. There's only one way to have it. It is to pay the cost to have biblical community. You don't get it on Sunday morning for an hour. They got it by being devoted, fully devoted to one another. It costs time to build it. And it costs tears to leave it. It costs us time to build it and tears to leave it. And I don't mean leave it in the sense of like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I just mean God's called Paul to go to Jerusalem and die. And they know it. And they do not, they, know, they want them to follow God, but they don't want them to follow God. Does that make sense? Like this will be the day that my children say, God has called me to fill in the blank of a city or a state or a country and I will say, that's great, (laughs) because I don't want them to leave, but I want them to leave. We have people in this church that I'm telling you, man, if we do church right, do you know what's going to happen? Someday, if we're following Jesus closely, and they're following Jesus closely, and we're doing it together in community, at some point, we will not be together. They will be at another place serving the lord or you'll be at another place serving the lord or one of you's martyred for the the cause of Christ one of you's in jail but there will be a moment we will not be together and the question is will we say good riddance or will we say oh god i miss him that's the evidence of community so following jesus closely leads to feeling community deeply Here's the last few things and we'll wrap it up. It is hard because loving, especially when we love one another the way the Bible calls us to, loving always leaves us open to hurting. And can I just say I hate that? Does anybody else hate that? Loving always leaves us open to hurting. Always. There is no, I mean, I can't, I wish as a pastor I could say you'll never hurt. If you just love deeply, you'll never hurt. But it always opens us up to hurting. Love anyway. There's no other way. Don't hold back. Don't love less because you're afraid that it might hurt more. Love one another fully. Live in community deeply. John 13, 35, last verse, tells us plainly. I love verses that just break it down and make it really simple. Tells us plainly that the one and only way that everyone will know that we're following Jesus closely is if we truly, deeply, and at times painfully love one another. He said, "They will know you're my disciples because you love one another." I mean, if you're going to pick a one another verse, that's the one. Just circle it, memorize it. John 13:35. That's how the world knows that we're his disciples. This will be the love that changes the world. When the time comes, it will be the love that unselfishly launches people we truly care about into service that could take them away from us. And I am this morning inviting you out of the bleachers. Don't just sit and watch. I'm inviting you to come and follow Jesus closely and find out what that real kind of community is all about. Well, how do I do that at the gathering? You get in a community group. We talk about it all the time. I know, I hate it when you talk about it. But we talk about it because that's how you get this. (laughs) It's how it happens. You get into a community group and you love one another. They get to know you. Oh, I don't want that. Now we're the dog licking the lime, right? I love love community. I don't want them to know me. I want to be known. I don't want anybody to know me. I want them to love me. Ah, they won't love me if they know this. That's just the dog with the lime, back and forth. Plug in. Get in. How do I do that? First couple of weeks of September is when you'll sign up to be in a community group over the next quarter. What do I do until then? Take some out to eat. Call somebody. Have a conversation with somebody. Get involved in people's lives. Give yourself away. Uh, good news is you probably won't spend three years, night and day warning them with tears. But if you do, if you do, guess what waits for you? The chance to tear yourself away from somebody who you have so invested in their lives that they will miss you when you're gone. Will you be missed when you're gone? I mean, on some days, we'd like to just say, yes, at least my wife or my husband would miss me. But there are days when maybe they would be like, well, I don't know. Live your life in such a way that you'll be missed when you're gone. Follow Jesus closely and let that lead you to feeling community deeply.